Hi, folks. Uh, this podcast is recorded in a house with animals, one of whom is sitting in front of me right now and keeps flapping her tail at my keyboard. And another of which just walked in. Hi, Ernie. Hi, Ernie. Who's a good uh, boy. And when we go to break, I will probably have to put the chickens away. Although so there will be yet. animals coming and going. Yeah. Uh, the baby chicks don't live in the office anymore, though. Yes, and so. the smell is much better. Yeah. Um, about to jump home. Oh, thinking of that, we swear. Oh yes, a lot. All the obscenities about about the animals from the Frequently, sounds of things. It's, yes. it's going to be that kind of night. Um, so yeah, just uh, that's why we have an explicit tag and why we can't be considered clean is because we are have potty mouth. Yes. And that's okay. And I just sort of mostly closed the door, so. Welcome to Productivity Alchemy episode 153. Woo! Uh, I am Hi, in Hound. Hound is beautiful. A, a state of eager anticipation about the interview. Yes, which you are just about to do. Yeah, I'm, I'm literally recording the interview in about 40 minutes. Yes. So, if all goes well... We will have an interview with Andrea Phillips, the author, and if it doesn't, then, well, I guess I'm fucked. <laughs> uh, no, I've got a, I've got other interviews I can I can use, but that's that's the big thing. You can re-interview me one of these days, although frankly, I think the internet knows everything I do already. Uh, so. And we had that big catch up about your process a couple. Oh yeah, yeah, we did months ago. Yeah. Um, oh hey, the dog food bin's getting refilled. Woo. Uh, so, um, how has your week gone? I can't believe it's been a week since the last time I recorded one of these. Uh, I think it's been fine. I did some writing. Uh, we had a lovely, like, four-day weekend. Uh, uh, sort of. Uh, I had a four-day weekend. Yeah, but when you have the day off, I kind of take a lot of it off. But I did some writing. Um, I've been making word count pretty reliably. Uh, mm -hmm. yesterday I didn't do word count. I did, uh... I designed a book cover for the Bread Wizard book, which is called A Wizard's Guide to Defensive Baking, and will probably be coming out July 21st. Some of that baking wasn't defensive, but okay. Well, yes, yeah, some of it was, was... Was battle magic baking. Yes, um, but only because her city was under attack, so it was defensive. That's fair. Uh, yeah, and fair. Uh, so I've been working on that. Today I did um, basically finished copy edits and formatted for vellum, or I'm trying to format it for vellum. Yeah. It's kind of not behaving. Uh, tomorrow I hope to be back onto the writing gig again. And but we've been doing good. We we yeah. we've done some work on the the garden. We yeah. we took down some stuff, put up some other stuff, uh, and it's it's been good. Yeah, after the stress of the beginning of last week, where I had that whole "Am I on call? Am I not on call?" Okay, the schedule's not live, so I'm not on call, which is nice. Um, once the manager who sets up those schedules came online late Monday because he's in Australia. Um, it, uh, the week settled. I got a lot done. Uh, it's even now being a productive week. I think the four-day weekend, and I'm, I'll explain about that in a minute, uh, was so helpful. Like, so incredibly helpful. Uh, I didn't realize how four days of not having to think about work, even though I'm not 
on call, even though I'm just, uh, you know, I'm somewhere in the background making things run. What a big difference it makes. I just booped Hound 16 times before she responded. Her response was to lay down. She did, Yeah, booping her nose does nothing. It's not like booping the cat's nose where the cat looks offended. Yeah. Boop. Boop. Okay. Hound, Hound can be booped and does not register that the boopage occurs. She just stares at you blankly. Yeah. So, yes, I yeah. – uh, but, yes, you. it was good. Yeah, it was, it was good. Uh, one of the things my company has been doing, and this has been from the top down, not like – individual managers or anything managers or anything has just been like okay so we know it's rough we know it's difficult for a lot of you so we're just giving you days off yes we already have a very generous uh covid-19 allowance um for in case of things but they're encouraging people to take it for i am stressed out because there's a global fucking pandemic right and then days. At least once a month, sometimes twice a month, like in June, they're just like, here are our shut it down days. We are shutting down uh, everything but quote unquote essential services. That is the people who are on call uh, for a day or in this case, two days, uh, one of which was Juneteenth, uh, the other of which was this past Monday. Yeah. And I will admit I was a bit of a slug. You get to be a slug, like, yeah. on, on the weekend. Well, on the first day. On the second day, um, what did I do? You helped me uh, erect the uh, the bamboo things. Yeah, we, we did the bamboo things and some stuff around and the you, garden. And you, like, set up a coop and moved things around. Moved, moved and, the coop yeah. around and, and got all that set up. And then uh, Sunday, I guess it was, I moved the baby. No, I didn't move them out until Monday, I want to say. Either way, Sunday or Monday, I moved the baby chickens. Out of the office into an outdoor thing they're sharing with Lorge now. I got a whole bunch of other stuff sort of done in and around the coop, including, uh, was it Saturday? No, Saturday was... I, I don't think it really matters to the internet what day you did which. I, well, it does to me, because um, <laughs> Saturday was the day I spent most of the morning and early afternoon putting in posts and expanding the main chicken enclosure. Yes, you did. You ran a lot of fencing. Yeah, and... Uh, that has been great for the chickens. Oh, yeah. Um, no, they are pampered chickens. Yeah, Ninja is getting a whole lot more running around chasing the Houdan brothers because oh. there's more places for them to go now. Um, and I managed to close up some of the spots where they were getting out. Good, good. Uh, but yeah, so really, I I spent a lot of time offline, Yeah, which I think also helps a lot because I didn't have the temptation to doom scroll. Oh, such doom scrolling. Such doom scrolling. And I think that's an interesting term that has now come up. Yes. And doom scrolling, of course, if you don't know, is when you flip through like Twitter or whatever, any of your social media feeds, just seeing the bad news and unable to look away and growing more and more anxious. Incidentally, do you know a dust cloud from the Sahara is going to hit us Saturday? Wow. This is actually really cool. There's, that is really cool. Yeah, there's this yeah, yeah, massive yeah. dust storm that's come up from the Sahara that has crossed the ocean. It is currently in, I believe, Puerto Rico and hitting the Caribbean. And it is uh, like it is they're having like a gray out kind of thing. It will not wow. be nearly that bad when it hits us. It will actually a lot of it will disperse. It's going to come up the Gulf Coast, turn east, and it will hit us Saturday. And we're going to get some very impressive sunsets. And they say uh, if you have allergies or breathing sensitivities, don't go outside much. Right. Because it's full of fine particles. Yeah. So uh, uh, wear your mask if you're not still wearing your mask and you happen to be in the, the 
lower portion of the East Coast. If you're in uh, uh, North Carolina and you're not wearing your mask, you are a fool because our governor just re basically stopped our reopening on the grounds yeah. that our cases are spiking like a whoa. Yeah, pause. He he literally sent out a tweet that says he's pausing reopening and like the ICUs are full. It's uh, it's yeah, it's kind of a problem. And yeah. other states are starting to treat us like plague rats and not letting us come in unless we're quarantined. Which frankly, I applaud them. I wouldn't let us in either. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, I've heard rumors about uh, other countries not letting us in, just in general, from the U.S. Uh, well, the U.S., uh, Trump is trying to, to stop uh, visas of foreign uh, uh, workers from coming yeah. in at all, which I is know. like, he can say it and the economy can be destroyed and we all sort of expect that'll happen. So anyway, moving on. Yeah. Uh, like I no longer have enough, like, uh, I, I'm not even angry or worried about these things anymore because there is nothing left in me to be angry or worried. Yeah. I have achieved the kind of calm that comes when you are trapped at the bottom of the well with two broken legs because it's, I mean, yep, here we are. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, and, and for, from where we are, I was talking to one of my coworkers who lives in Oakland, California, the Bay Area. Um, and he's like, it's terrible here. Are you, how are you? And I'm like, we have lots of land. We're in the country. We're far away. Yes. We still have a couple of other problems, but we just mostly stay home and we have enough outdoor space that it's not a big deal. Which is really, uh, mm -hmm. a, a enormous privilege because it's. I mean, being able to isolate on a couple of acres is a whole different ballgame than having to isolate with another person in a 500-square-foot apartment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, believe me, we are aware that this is, that this is you know, uh, really lucky. Uh, incredibly lucky. And I uh, have noticed that some of the pressure is off uh, now that Jacob has gone to his mother's for the summer and is headed off to college in the fall. And it's not that he was even terribly difficult. It's just that, you know, the more humans there are, the more we rub against each other. Yeah, and this is in a lot of ways when it's just the when it was just the two of us, this was a lot of house to kick around in for two people, but it turns out that five adults or adult-sized humans this is what not enough house. And I mean, it was. Yeah, for, we could have used one more bathroom. Yeah, but I mean, that's the sort of thing when you're in close quarters like this, you you start to say maybe we need another bathroom or things like that. And so. and now it's basically to yes, we we are all dealing with this, but we all have our own isolation areas. Basically, Shep goes to dog school. I go to the garden. You go to the chickens. Liz goes to the internet. Or. <laughs> I mean, I've got my office in the chickens. You've got um, – you spend a lot of time in the master bedroom. I do. I do. Not, it, because that's where all your video games are. Yeah, I, I'm glad that we moved everything in there um, because uh, I had to go work in the studio the other day uh, to design the cover. And that's fine. It's, it's yeah. you know, not a problem. There's plenty of space in there. It's just – but, yeah, I, I spend a lot of time in there. I spend a lot of time in the pergola in the backyard. Yeah. And – and you know, I don't have like an amazing studio, an amazing like writing setup or anything. I have a laptop, and it's that's what I need. Mm -hmm. uh, other people need a lot more. Which it, this is not a me saying that's all you need to work with, because 
I also have a distraction-free environment, except when I want to be distracted and look at bugs. Or the dogs come out. Or the dogs come out. Or Shepard sits down and is like, do you know what's mm-hmm. wrong with capitalism? Yep. And there, there is... And there's a lot wrong with capitalism. We can we can, we will not tangent. No, no, you, we only have forty minutes. <laughs> yeah, uh, the um, one of the interesting things that happened as part of my productivity and had made me think uh, is there has been a lot of discussion going on around the terminology we use in technology, um, and many of these are terms with loaded meanings. For example, the acceptable, and I'm putting that in air quotes, term for um, let something through or block something out is whitelist to let it through and blacklist to keep it out. The term for a primary server that's feeding its data to something else that's basically mirroring it or whatever is a master-slave setup. And there's been a lot of discussion around in, in some tech circles about changing that because language has impact. Language matters. And uh, one thing I've been trying to do is uh, uh, the the one that I've been working on is dumb um, yeah. because uh, we use it as a synonym for stupid. And it's it, – but as, you know, various people will tell you, the original meaning is unable to speak. Yep. And so it's become this totally loaded term. So I try to catch that one. Um, obviously, we're all trying to excise lame from our vocabularies. Uh, the, uh, another one, um, which, um, Snarkbat on Twitter brought up to me, who is Mm -hmm. a, uh, a blind, uh, writer is that, uh, blind, it can be a very loaded term if you, if you use it for, uh, uh, judgment as opposed to not able to see. Right, right. The thing that was pointed out to me today, though, which was interesting is there's actually a draft RFC specification. Now, for those who don't know, an RFC specification is a request for comments. It's a document that is used to basically outline most of the major technical protocols we have out there. There are some jokes out there, like there is the RFC that specifies how to deliver network packets by pigeon uh, and the expected latency and things like that. However, this draft from the IETF, the organization that that's, you know, manages all of these, is about changing those terms. Oh, excellent. And so uh, – and it gives alternate terms. For example, in, in the case of whitelist, blacklist, um, allow list, block list. Um, the uh, – so there's actually work going on in the broader community, which I was kind of unaware of to actually put together specifications to say, don't do this. And if you adhere to this specification, then you can excise many of those terms from the technical jargon in your company or in your project or whatever. And this is a gradual process. I mean, Mm -hmm. all of us still slip up a lot and then, and all we can do is really try to catch ourselves. It does not make you an evil person to forget words that have been part of your vocabulary for 40 years, but the important thing is to go, is go, yeah, wait, yes, okay, damn it, I didn't mean that one. Yeah, uh, and, uh, this and, is hard. Yeah, I mean, it's especially when they are part of your professional lexicon that you've been using for, I did the math. 
I shouldn't have done the math, but it's uh, for almost 30 years now. There's a similar, I want to say not quite similar, perhaps a more blatant example is uh, I am a gardener. Mm -hmm. I work with a lot of plants. Yes. Uh, A lot of plants, old common names are not great. No. Uh, and, and we've gotten rig- rid of most of the really terrible ones, like the ones that contained outright racial slurs we have managed to mostly, you know, consign to the Ashbin yes. of history. But there's still some that are like, um, that still stick around, like, uh, Squaw Root. Oh, yeah. And everyone's like, wait a minute, no, this is not okay. Uh, and some things, you know, and, and when in doubt, uh... Use Linnaean taxonomy. Um, oh, yeah. Linnaeus, incidentally, was also a total shit, but uh, his taxonomic system, Latin binomials, this is, you know, it works for. Uh, uh, also, if you're dealing with common names and plants, you should do that anyway, because sooner or later you're going to wind up with two people standing on opposite sides going, but this is mother onion and po- pointing to completely different plants, one of which is toxic. Uh, Neither well, here nor there, yeah, but yeah, uh, but like um, just recently, someone who was in fact working on on the aforementioned route uh, mentioned that was an alternate name, and then was like, "I really did not want the people showing up in my mentions who showed up to defend that because fuck you, <laughs> right?" And yeah. uh, uh, I mean, I, at this point, I even get a little titchy over. Um, uh, pink root, which is one of the ones we've got, is uh, uh, known. The common name is Indian pinks, and I'm like, okay, what are we doing with this one? And that yeah. one's a little tricky, just because my stepfather was was a member of the Seneca Nation, and he used Indian all the time. And but you know, is that a word you're allowed to use if you are or whatever? All the organizations he belonged to were named that, uh, you know, the, uh, so, but if, and in America, it's not as big a deal, but you jump over the border to Canada and all of a sudden that becomes a slur. Oh yeah. And it's like, and people are like, that's First Nations. And it's like, okay, well, that <laughs> that's not what any of the actual natives call it down here. So at what point, you know, you're like, uh, is this a, I as a white person should just shut the fuck up and call it pink root, which is what I've chosen to do. But it's, yeah. I mean, my stepfather would have been like, you know, waving his arms in the air, uh, but he was whatever. Uh, <laughs> Your stepfather was a character. Yeah. Before the brain cancer. Yes. He, well, he was, debilitated character after that yeah uh yeah that's one of those where i'm like i literally grew up hearing that term as the complete accepted standard and uh it was sort of like the equivalent of black and african-american for a long time in the 80s if you used african-american people were like really dude and black people were like really dude a lot of them and so it was you know it's like terminology becomes fraught and so one of the things that we are trying to do is replace some of the common names of plants in particular with things that are not uh, slurs or weird or whatever. Um, cranefly orchid, for example, if you want to look that one up, it's usually slur cranefly orchid. It's a lovely plant. <sighs> We're all just going to call it cranefly orchid from now on. Yes. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of that out there. Uh, and I, it's a big job. 
to kind of clean that up. I'm not going to say clean that up, to correct that. Yeah. To correct that. Uh, but it's worth, it's good work and it's worthwhile work. Yeah, it's, but you know, things are, none of this is easy and a lot of this is uncomfortable and it's fine. We can be uncomfortable. We can sit with that. Nobody promised that, you know, our comfort levels would be, <laughs> were sacrosanct. No. I, the, so, yeah. Yeah, and there is happening right now online in some corners of, of the open source community people who are like why should we change this terminology you can guess the kind of person it is oh yeah uh because it's always that kind of person but overall uh a lot of companies in the industry and outside the industry are like nope we're gonna go fix this now and you know in 15 or 20 years that'll just be standard and the people who are complaining will be like we'll use it too so yeah i don't know because they won't have a choice. Uh, so that's that's that. Anyway, so yes. that That's that's the work we've been doing this week, I think. Um, or at least some of the work I've been doing this week. Uh, I've mostly just been sitting in the garden trying to write books. And editing books. <sighs> oh, God, so much editing. It will never fail to astonish me. Four people go over that damn manuscript with a fine-toothed comb, and then my buddy Cassie goes over it and, like, finds... 10 typos. It's like, where, where were they? Where did they come from? Did they spontaneously generate? It's it's amazing what, uh, you know, uh, this is why you have multiple proofreaders, because they will all catch things that you didn't. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I even, uh, I was sending out a, a public service announcement email to the company today to say, hey, change how you do this thing. I can't believe I'm, like, sending emails to the whole company saying, don't do it that way, do it this way. But that's a whole other sort of freak out for someone who's been Can there of worms. barely a year. Um, but the the whole thing is I have at least two people proofread it before I send it. Like, here, can you proofread this just to make sure? And can we be, you know, clearer point? It's basically editing, but it's like a three-line email. And, you know, let's face it, there is no firmer law of the universe than any tweet you make making fun of a typo will contain a typo. Yeah, it's, it's an absolute... Even if you don't write a typo in, the gods will reach down and insert one for your hubris. Is, is, there, is there already a law about that? There should be. All right, that's it. Vernon's law. Oh, God. No, wait, that there's so many. Um... So we'll just we'll we'll figure that out. Thinking of writing things, you're about to go talk to a writer. I'm about to go talk to a writer. Um, Say hi for me. I will. Uh, Andrew Phillips, who was part of the Book Burners project on Serial Box, and has a whole bunch of other stuff and a new book coming out, which I'm excited about. Uh, and we will talk to Andrew about that and a whole lot more right after this. Hi folks, 
I am here today with a most amazing person. I am here with Andrea Phillips, and I am so excited to uh, have her on this week. So, Andrea, can you introduce yourself all the ways better than I just did uh, and uh, tell us about what you do? <laughs> what do I do? I, I am a, a jack of many trades, as they used to say. I don't think they say that anymore, do they? Uh, I'm, I know, no. I'm a, a science fiction author. I've written a lot of serial fiction for Serial Box. Um, I'm also an immersive game designer, uh, sort of, sort of an old lady of the alternate reality game scene. Um, so I've been working in in ARGs and and in that sort of transmedia space for, gosh, it must be 15 years now. And um, you know, lots of little bits and bobs. I do. Oh, basically, if there's a kind of writing, I've probably done it. It's it's safe to say, yeah. Yeah, and and your list includes things like uh, book burners on Serial Box. <laughs> um, Zombies Run is one of yours, isn't it? Uh, you know what? I've only done a little bit of, of Zombies Run. I've been writing uh, Ephemera for the virtual races for the last little bit, um, and then. Uh, they have a virtual race just out actually called Dino Dash that, that I wrote. That was, that was a lot of fun to do. Um, I've done uh, sort of immersive experiences for Game of Thrones. Um, uh, I have, gosh, when you, when you start me talking about my projects, I don't know if I should be going all the way back to the beginning. I worked on Perplexity when I was a baby writer. And... <laughs> I have a novel coming out just in two weeks from yesterday as we record called yeah. America Incorporated that I'm excited and terrified about. I've got it on pre-order. Oh, so it's, it's so exciting. I just, I got a proof copy just Ooh, in the mail today. Those so. are always so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be so, fun. All that stuff. Um, so with all that going on and I'm sure, other stuff. How how do you keep yourself organized? I have tried many, many things over the years. And the thing that I've been doing for probably about a year and a half now is a full, flat-out, twee bullet journal with washi tape and markers and little cute drawings in it and stickers. <laughs> you know, uh, whatever whatever works. Yeah, I I find that having it look cute means that I want to look at it because it's cute. And other planner modalities and other sort of tasking systems in the past have failed me at the point where I, I just sort of stop using them because nothing yeah. is reminding me to go back. But uh, right now I have this cute little book that follows me wherever I go. <laughs> and it's 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 fun to look in and it's bright and I mean it's really embarrassing how it looks. You would think it's it's a full on sort of eighth grade Lisa Frank kind of deal. <laughs> I, I I can't judge. Uh, uh, the thing is, I my only concern anytime I see all of those oh my yes color code like the mm. wind <laughs> and cross hatching <laughs> and see mm -hmm. and that there's there's like this line with bullet journals that I've noticed, there's the people who do it because with all the colors and the tapes and all the things, because they want to look at it. And then there are the people who decorate and all of that things 
in order to decorate, and it isn't actually improving their tasks. Yeah. So I, I, I actually have a very functional system going, and it would work really effectively without the the colorfulness. The colorfulness is is the the candy that gets me to take the medicine, so to speak. <laughs> um, so. Uh, should, I, should I talk about the way I have it set up right now? Do you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I, so, <laughs> I eat this stuff up. I... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have um, essentially right now I'm using a, a monthly spread and then a weekly spread. And the monthly mm-hmm. has kind of my big picture goals for the month. Right. Um, you know, it's it's a big a big project that I want to get done. Or um, this is this is your colloquial sort of lose five pounds territory, mm-hmm. or you know Father's Day goes on here. Since the holidays that I have to remember to prepare for. The other part of it is an absolutely enormous habit tracker, where I check off boxes every day for things like clearing out my email and using my planner, uh, <laughs> and also some other sort of sort of embarrassing things like taking a shower and washing my face at night, watering my plants. And I have to have them because if I'm not tracking, then a lot of these things simply never get done. I don't water my plants. I, you know, I, I don't remember to submit Learned League at the end of the day. I don't remember to clear out my email for two or three weeks. Um, and, and even if I don't do all of this every day, because mm-hmm. let's face it, it's an incredibly ambitious set of, set of tasks to do yeah, yeah. every day. Just, just having them sort of chunked out like this with, you know, in the morning, I try to do this stuff. In the afternoon, I try to do this stuff. This is my bedtime routine. And then, you know, my, my bonus, my bonus stuff. Um, <laughs> it, it helps me to actually do the things and I wind up being tremendously more productive. Um, just just by by having them in this grid, it's it's kind of amazing how that happens. Yeah. Um, and then um, my my weekly spread is a work in progress. One of the best things I ever learned about bullet journaling is that it's all an experiment and it's just paper. So you should try a bunch of different things and see what does and doesn't work for you. Yeah. Um, so I actually have this is this is my quarantine bullet journal strategy because I don't have quite as much to do as I did in the olden days. In the before times, yeah. In the, in the before times. And um so right now I have little little boxes for each day. And I try to only fill them with two or three things. Oh, okay, three to five things that I actually plan to do on that day. Um, you know, doctor's appointments or meetings or specific things like taxes. Finishing our taxes is the sort of thing that might go in, in yeah. one of those. And then I have a, across across one full page, a sort of a running task list of all of the things that I'm hoping to get done that don't have to get done on any particular day. So, you know, at some point I have a pile of filing on the floor in my office that I should really get to. And that's that's been on the list for for a little bit. Um, But also, you know, I have to call this person to follow up on that thing. And I need to write this for that person, you know, kinds of thing. Yeah. Um, And I, I can check them off as I go, but I can also migrate them to the next week. Um, And then I have a nice record of what I've done and when. Um, 
I also have on the other side, sort of my weekly goals, which are things like this is the week that I need to finish this book I'm reading or proofread this, this piece of work. Mm-hmm. And then I have a separate, I'm going to, I'm going to show you okay. I have a separate area that is right now the vegetables I have in from my farm share that I need to eat. Oh, okay. Okay. So that I have an inventory of things that I should probably be serving for lunch and dinner. Um, and I, I really have to figure out how to use a bunch of escarole. Yeah. I, I don't know what, what to do with that. I saw bok choy on the list and, uh, bok choy is easy. Yeah. The bok choy is already chopped up to use, um, in a, in a salad. But, uh, last night we were going to have pizza bagels and then it turned out we did not have enough bagels. So uh, the, the plan was shelved. Tragedy. Tragedy. Yeah, no, I, when we were in China, uh, when one of our host families, well, our primary host family, uh, like the only thing they really had that any of us could eat, uh, because really I can't eat that much dried yak. Uh, and <laughs> none of us could, uh, but was, um, it was like rice with braised or quick stir fried bok choy and egg. Or, egg. yeah, just scrambled egg with bok choy. That sounds delicious, honestly. It was, it was really good. Cat, um, don't sit on the... I realize I'm going <laughs> to move the keyboard. So, so she rolled over to clean herself, as cats mm-hmm. do, and rolled right onto mm-hmm. the hotkey to lock my screen. No! I'm like... That's hilarious. Well, that's yeah, and so and she's leaning on it, so now it's going in my headphones. Da 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 da. Hopefully that didn't get recorded. <laughs> Hopefully that's only on my end, but uh, we'll find out. I don't think I heard a da 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 da. So okay, so we're, we're we're good. We're good. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Mm. Right. Uh, but yeah. Um, well, no, uh, greens and eggs is a thing that I eat for, for breakfast or, or lunch pretty pretty routinely. Okay, yeah. Use, use up a lot of, like, beet greens and radish greens and that sort of thing. Yeah, I've, I never got into radish greens and, and beet greens are... They're a little prickly, yeah. the, the radish greens. Yeah, I, I'm not that fond of them, it turns out. I'm, I I, I've turned into a, a depression farm wife, and I feel obligated to use <laughs> all of the things right now. Vegetables. Well, I mean, I'll just chop it up and throw it into the worm bin mm. and, and uh, compost it. And then come winter, I've got fresh worms for the chickens. Oh. Um, yeah. And they, they eat that up, like, literally. chickens. I think the rules that say we're not allowed to have chickens and the hipsters keep trying to change it, but they have yeah. not yet succeeded. <laughs> Always the way. Always the way. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So running task lists, sort of the things you have to use up this week or, or little sidebars. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, <laughs> What am I going to, I'm in the middle of an interview. What am I going to do with slices of cucumber? It would be rude. You can eat them. I, uh, okay. I understand enjoying a good cucumber. <laughs> and they're a new kind of cucumber. Um, a new kind? Yeah, what kind These of cucumber are heritage is this cucumbers? What's that? Dragon eggs. Dragon eggs. Wow. So they're very is... small egg-shaped cucumber. I don't know how well you can see that with, with the very small seeds and... Oh. 
but they're about the size of a of a chicken egg. That's amazing. Uh-uh. I did not know they made cucumbers that small. Oh, they have they have they. I mean the 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 gherkins you get in like that's really as big as they get. Mm. Like there there's a, a French a specific French cucumber. Now I can't remember the the cornicons. I'm saying that wrong. I know I am. My French translator friend just cringed somewhere for no apparent reason. Um, uh, really, that's as big as they get, and they are really great for pickling because you can just throw them in a yeah in a jar with the stuff, and then pickles. So that's terrific. Uh, I'll probably end up trying that with a couple of these. Maybe I'll throw them in with the beets and the pickled eggs, just to see how that works. Delicious. Dang. Dang, and I just had dinner, too. Oh, well. Well, So, um, tell me about the pens, because there are all kinds of colors, and and I don't know if that's a specific pen or what, or if you have a brand preference, or... I have, um, I have painful hands, alas, so I have to be very careful about what I use, and... I'm going to completely forget the main kind of pen that I that I use. Hang on, let me see if I can okay. read it on the pen if I can find it. Mm. I got myself a very fancy gold pen and yes. it is an an Energel. It is a Pentel Energel 0.7. Um because I found that they they flow this the smoothest. It's the smoothest one to write with for my purposes. And um, I don't have to use a lot of pressure, so it doesn't hurt my hands as much. Yeah. Um, and then I use a lot, a lot, a lot of Tombow markers, <laughs> which are, I, I honestly, I have a real problem with them. I probably have like 40 different ones. They're, they're double-tipped markers, so you have the brush pen end, and mm-hmm. then you have uh, a thinner end for finer writing. Um, and and they, they, they're just fun to use. Sort of watercolory, but without needing the finesse of actual watercolor, which requires skill. There are I now, don't actually have. There, there are now two two different pen types that I have to go investigate because I these are pens I've not tried. Really? The, yeah. Um, I've been I've been diving into the. I know it's terrible. It's a it's a rabbit hole of doom. I've been diving into the uh, into the uh, fountain pen side of things oh, you know i wish i could use i wish i could use a fountain pen but i'm left-handed so i'm at Ooh. an immediate disadvantage yeah and a, a lot of them are very scratchy i find and scratchiness is the one thing i can't tolerate in a pen and some people like i kind of enjoy I, the feel of scraping but some yeah no it's not for everybody yeah yeah you know it, it never occurred to me before you said that right now that some people might actually like scrapiness yeah, I mean, it's 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 the tactile feel on the paper, mm-hmm. um, and there's a whole sub yeah. thing about, excuse me, kinds of paper, and the thickness versus the not thickness in the Japanese onion skin mm-hmm. papers, and yeah, no, it's uh, it's a thing. <laughs> Would you like to hear something horrible? Okay, I I ordered on Amazon. I believe it was a Clever Fox version, uh, the brand rather of of planner. Um, it, it was very well reviewed, and I opened it up, and the pages were ever so slightly lavender, and I couldn't stand it, and I had to send it back. Wow. So they were like they were like white, but they were <laughs> a slightly lavender white. Right. 
Right. And I would not have been able to tolerate it. Um, I, I, I go full shebang and I'm using Archer and Olive notebooks right now, which have very nice, very thick paper. It's almost cardstock thick, but not quite. Ooh. So you don't get any sort of bleed through. And um, yeah. the only problem I have with them is uh, the dot grid isn't always exactly even between mm. the two pages. And, um, oh, oh, and so, yeah, that, that so, just bothers me. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you've, you've lined everything up with the space and then you turn the page and it doesn't match. Well, no, no, it's not even, it's, it's from, it's, it's across a single two page spread. Oh, so, across the two page spread. Can, I'll see if I can find an example and, and show you as we speak. Yeah, here we go. Um, not, not that our audience can, can see, but I don't know if you can see that every so often. Yeah. Just ever the, the so lowest like, yeah, dot, yeah, it's not quite, not quite even, not quite the same. Yeah. Um, but the paper quality is so nice that I, I, I try to just let it go. It's an exercise in accepting that the world is imperfect. Right. Right. Um, have you tried the the be all end all the one that everybody uses if they're not using I want to say the official official bullet journal notebook um, is the lecturum. Yeah, I've heard about them, and honestly, they seem a little too macho for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's they, a man journal. They come in fun colors. They're and I'm torn because the paper is good. But I got spoiled on uh, the Moleskine paper before every before Moleskine basically started making every journal imaginable, and mm-hmm. you know from back in the day when it's like they had three sizes and four styles, right? Yeah, I I have some some older ones still left over, and uh, before I switched to Archer and Olive, there was there was a uh, uh, one of the Moleskine ones I bought at Staples actually. Um, and it was, it just felt much cheaper than they used to. It, it didn't have the same build quality, if you will. Yeah. The well, was, the paper was thinner. It felt kind of cheap and I, it, it just wasn't the same. There was, there was a point where I think the company was teetering on the brink of extinction and then the hipsters sort of brought it back into prominence and then, and there was mm-hmm. new management and yeah. So, I mean, they still make, Good notebooks, but I'm finding the the lecturums seem to be a little more durable right now. Interesting. Interesting. Of course, I'm the person who bought a file of facts at the and in at Worldcon last year because oh my god, there was a file of facts on sale. It was the only chance, even if it was in Euros, I was gonna be able to get it at that price. <laughs> well, so let me let me tell you my 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 secret productivity origin story. I okay. I used in college, I used a Franklin planner. And this was before it was Franklin Covey. It was a Franklin planner. Um, planner and, represent. And, yeah, and and a lot of that fundamental system has really stuck with me over the years. Um, it, it's a really great planning system, and of course, I've I've adopted a, a lot of different ways. You know, I've been informed by GTD and that mm-hmm. sort of philosophy, and you know, the official bullet journaling um, stuff. But a lot of that doesn't apply to me because I don't use a paper planner for anything calendar related and, and reminders. Yeah. Um, I'd rather have something that can ring a bell at me than, than um, you know, write it down. So, um, 
I don't know. So it, it's it's actually really strange. You know, I used a, a, a not a Palm Pilot, a handspring visor back in the day. Well, it was Palm OS, but yeah. Yeah, it was still Palm OS, but I know I never had a name brand Palm. I had the the handspring, which was, um, I don't know, the the Rogue Rebellion probably lawsuit ex Palm employees. Uh, actually, they were doing things that Palm didn't. They were the first ones to integrate a phone into it. Oh, interesting. So for a while, all I wanted was the handspring because it ran Palm OS, which, yeah, no, Palm OS, pretty awesome. Uh, and then, but it, then it had a phone and, oh my God, a phone, uh, really one of the early smartphones before BlackBerry uh, and uh, Nokia really pushed, started pushing it. Ah. I, I still have a handspring visor downstairs in my desk somewhere. I, I I can still lay hands on my Palm Five. Hour, I had a six-hour game of Bejeweled on that device at one point. I, but, I only um, had the black and white one. Um. <laughs> it was black and white. It was just different shapes, you know. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, anyway, my my actual on-topic point is that I. I always always do electronic calendaring and i've never never been able to do electronic tasking and i i think there's something about the act of writing something down that crystallizes my intent to do the thing Mm -hmm. in a way that it just sort of automatically showing up doesn't um this is this is my my theory anyway Uh, well there is a a whole proven thing that and I forget the research because it's been years since I saw it, that actually taking handwritten notes sort of cements it in your brain, which mm-hmm. is why there there's a – it was, like, incredibly important in when I was in high school, which was 30 years ago. And because um, we didn't no have – No insane. Yeah. They, they, they didn't have – oh, crap. It's 31 years now. Anyway, um, we didn't have <laughs> – Palm Pilots. We didn't have laptops. We didn't have any of that. I mean, so there were the people who could read it and remember it. And for the rest of us, it was, uh, you know, the teacher hammering on it. You need to take notes. Notes will help you remember. Even if you can't read them later, the act of writing it down cements it in your brain, or at least it cements mm-hmm. it in my brain. Um, yeah. So I'm a little bit the opposite. Like, I need really? all my, uh, yeah, I want my tasks and to dos in the digital place where I can have it with me all the time. And, I end up spending a lot of time, like once a week, I will sit down with my um, my Filofax and my calendar and just write out that week's tasks. Or not tasks, but all my appointments and things. Because if I do that, I'm less likely to forget when my phone doesn't go off or I'm in the middle of you know, uh, some task for work. And I'm just like, yes, dismiss that alert. I'm, I'm, I'm busy. I'm focused. Um, and then it's a half hour later and I have totally missed the first half of a meeting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know that. Yeah. It's just, I love how, how different brains can be, how, how different systems, you know, work or fail completely differently for, for other people. Oh yeah, but yeah, no, I know the I know the Franklin Covey to GTD to bullet journaling, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Et path because it's pretty much the one I took. So yeah, fist bumps. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. 
I mean, I, I tried a lot of the like tiddly wiki kinds of things, yeah. in there, but none of that stuck very long. Remember the milk? Do you know? Actually, there was there was one electronic tasking thing that worked for me really well back in the day, and and don't don't hate me, don't judge me. It was it was Microsoft Entourage. Oh, which was their Mac OS product? Yes, that wasn't Outlook. Um, and Entourage was a marvel in its day, and it had really, really, really smart reminders. So I could tell it to remind me to water my plants three days after the last time I watered my plants, and it would do that. And it, it's honestly still to this day kind of hard to find that that sort of functionality. I think Remember the Milk does it. Remember the um, Milk does it. Um, OmniFocus has options for that in its reminders. Yeah, so you can say every three days or um, three days after I complete the task, mm-hmm. kind of thing. But it was it was really really easy to use. It was it was robust. It didn't have the sort of overwhelming feeling that that OmniFocus, for example, can yeah. have, where there are all of these bells and whistles and buttons, and um, it it just had a sort of an elegant simplicity. So of course Microsoft killed it as all good products seem to and these days pour one out for google reader right my my oh god google reader my my experiences with um outlook 365 mm-hmm. for mac um is basically they threw out no i don't even think they threw out at first i think they just renamed entourage to outlook Really? In the first couple, and some of those functions, I haven't looked at it in a while, so mm-hmm. I don't know what the what the current set. I've been itching. I've been starting to get the, you know, maybe I should look at Outlook again because I've I've been trying to do the I don't want to have a web browser open to read my mail thing, mm. and all mail clients suck. You know, uh, this, one of them. this is actually kind of a, a productivity thing too, now mm-hmm. that I'm thinking about it. Um, one of the most massive game changers I did was a few years ago, I moved my main working device to be an iPad Pro instead of a, a desktop or a laptop. And I think one of the reasons that it's been really effective for me is mm-hmm. that I have to go to an app for my email and a different app for Twitter and a different app for Slack. It's not just kind of all there all at yeah. once on my screen. So I don't have the problem of getting lost in tabs where, you know, I've, I've somehow got four Gmail tabs open for some reason and like three different Amazon tabs and, you know, another four for Twitter, not to mention all of the one-off news articles and so on. Um, so there's just much less chance to get distracted with with an, an iPad main device uh, because everything is, is siloed in, the, in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I'm a, I, I program, I mean, even I'm, I'm an infrastructure engineer, I'm, I'm a mm-hmm. sysadmin, but I'm writing a lot of code these days because that's how we do it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and I would love to be able to say, well, that's it. I'm just going 100% iPad. And yeah. it's, not, it's not something I can do. And, oh, God, I, I would destroy one trying to record. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, uh, even even so, there are a couple of things that I occasionally need a desktop for. Um, mm-hmm. There are, you know, Scrivener functions. I wouldn't try to output, you know, uh, a quality ebook 
And I for sure wouldn't try to format a print book from an iPad. That's just asking for trouble. That's pain. Yeah. Weeping and despair. Um, uh, other other kinds of functions too, not just design functions. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm finding the iPad is really bad at specialty print options, for example. Yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah, yeah, but for for most of my day to day stuff, it's really terrific. And um, not having a trackpad also is really good for my bad hands, as previously discussed. <laughs> yeah. Any um, any feelings on the pencil? Um, I just can't uh, seem I to get really, into it. I really like the pencil. I don't use it as much as I used to, but when I use it, I really need it. Okay. Um, I've had um, I've had a lot of times when I'm like doing a puzzle design or doing notes on on wireframes, um, and being able to just just do that on the iPad instead of in the olden days, I would actually print out a puzzle design, draw it on paper, take a photo, and send it over. Um, so not having to do that as part of your, your creative process has been really, really, really fantastic for me. Oh, yeah. yeah. But it, it doesn't, it doesn't come up all the time. It's just that when it does come up, it's priceless. Yeah. Ursula, I think almost 90% of the sketches or drawings she's done in the last three years has just been on her iPad mini with, with the pencil. And now Photoshop's apparently coming to iPad. And so, I mean, she's got a pro, yeah. And and but that's not the one that she has with her all the time. I'd be curious to know what what specific drawing app she uses. Um well, is, it, Photoshop, is it Procreate? I can't, I think it might be Procreate. I'd mm. have to go back and look. Um or Texter. Yeah, that that's I could yell up the stairs, but I don't think anyone anyone wants to to hear that. Um <laughs> Hang on a second. One of my one of my iPads did die, so I'm just going to plug in the, the okay, old yeah. headphones real quick. Give me a sec. Can you can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I can hear you fine. I can hear you fine. Awesome. Um, as I as I now send send the direct message over Twitter because even though we live in the same house, we we DM each other nine times out of ten. Um. Oh my gosh! I get for my children. I get so many text messages along the lines of. Um, uh, what are we having for dinner? You know, although there was there was one time when uh, my daughter first had her phone and she texted me from the bathroom. She was stuck in there because the door had swollen while she took a shower and she couldn't get it open again. So we were very lucky she had her cell phone in the bathroom with her. <laughs> Ooh, I don't hear you now. That yes, um, I, I think I swung my fingers and hit the mute button because that kind of day. Um, no, uh, she will, uh, when she takes a break from her game, whichever the game is tonight, and uh, uh, she'll respond, I hope. <laughs> yeah. I might get an answer from Lizardbeth, too. Liz is, is um, although I don't, I think Liz is drawing, and she's been drawing mostly on her laptop lately. But again, big iPad, all the drawing tools. Uh, Photoshop is apparently mm. coming for it now, and so that's the big excitement. Yeah. Um, so, wow, we've we've covered a lot of ground. <laughs> I, I like to and, talk. Well, yeah, no, but that's okay because I mean we've talked about the systems and habits you use. 
Um, we know a lot of the tools you use. Um, we haven't talked about writing process, but writing process isn't so much productivity as how you do a thing. And you have so many different genres. I'm sure it's completely different day to day. Completely different. I, I actually am, am just finishing a really intense sort of work sprint to create a, a prototype for an, an application. And it's, it's, it's basically uh, envisioning, designing, creating the prototype and testing it in four days. And it's, it's been wild, but that has nothing wow. to do with my own, you know, independent creative work. Like, yeah, yeah, nothing to do with, well, actually it's surprisingly like the cereal box uh, sort of story summit stuff in a way, but it's, it's mm -hmm. nothing to do with how I, you know, put a novel together. Or, or what have you. Yeah, but you, you did say a key word there, sprint. So do you, I mean, when you're doing your writing stuff, do you sprint? Do you do, like, writing sprints or? You know, I it, it's taken me a really long time to make peace with this. But I am mm -hmm. fundamentally a binge attention kind of person. Ah. So if I start playing a Dragon Age game, I will get essentially nothing else done until I'm done with the Dragon Age game. Gotcha. That means that I will not write for that entire period. I'm absolutely not an everyday writer. But it also means that I will work in binges as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you, you get to a point where you're sort of, your, your brain is on fire. The book is, is just killing you. And you, you write and you write and you write and you write. And a spectacular amount of work gets done in the course of a week and a half. And then you don't work on it again for another couple of weeks. It's, it's, it, it feels really inefficient and it feels like you spend a lot of time being lazy. Um, but I, again, I've had to just sort of accept that's how my brain works. That's how yeah. I get things done. And, and that's probably okay because a lot of things do wind up getting done in the end. And why it's important to have the checklist, because if your attention is, I think the term is hyper-focused, but this seems a lot beyond hyper-focused. But if you're, <laughs> you're binging like that, then you're not, you don't have room in your head for remembering to do things like take a shower. Or, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I just, I just don't. Um, it, it's, you know, it, it's even difficult for me to cut to context switch. Uh, if if I'm reading a book and someone comes in to try and talk to me, I simply will not hear them until maybe the tail end. And then I realize someone's talking to me and they'll have to repeat the whole thing. It's yeah, I, I, I guess I'm, I'm, well, I'm coming to realize I probably have some sort of attention problem. <laughs> <laughs> but you have coping mechanisms and that's the important part. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've done okay. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, Ursula recently got medicated for it and she's like, Oh my God, how did anyone live with me? And how did I get anything done before? Like, you have incredible coping mechanisms, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. Yeah. Uh, so we're just going to skip ahead. Because mm -hmm. uh, I think we've answered questions two and three. Um, how, how, how do you decide what to do first on a given day? How do I decide what to do first on a given day? Are we talking about on a good day or on a bad day? Uh, are they two different things? If so, they're then... very different things. Wow. On a on a good day, on a mm -hmm. good day, uh, I will 
sit down in the morning. I'll play my my daily challenge of spider solitaire. I'll eat breakfast. I'll look at my planner. I'll clear out my email, and um, you know, sort of sort of get a feeling for the important things that I'm that I'm planning on doing. And I, I tend to focus on the things that are going to be the most time sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that's that's work stuff. Sometimes I'm so crowded with, uh, you know, kid, mom, medical, whatever stuff that, yep. that really there's no room for anything else. Um, but but a lot of the time it's it's actually pretty clear to me what I have to do in a given mm-hmm. day. If there's nothing if there's nothing very clear, then I I have to think really hard about whether I'm going to give myself a day off, which mm-hmm. it's it's important to do. Um, I, I've I've another thing I've come to realize only only recently in the last couple of years is that my on days can be you know 15 hours because um, you know there's there's the daytime work stuff and then there's the housework stuff and mm-hmm. then I have children bursting into my room to. Uh, convey their emotional crises to me at 11:30 at night. So that's yeah. that's you know a, a long day, a lot of work. So you know probably if I if I take a lot of Wednesdays off, that's that's probably okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you know safe for your your mental health and so on and so forth. Um. So uh, anyway, so on on a good day, it's it's very clear. I work it out pretty early. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, I kind of just just get on with it. On a bad day, because I don't have clarity or because I don't have motivation, I'll find that I haven't finished deciding um, by the time it's it's lunchtime, and then it, it's just very clear nothing useful is is actually going to wind up done that day. Maybe I'll spend the afternoon doing errands. Um, maybe I'll. Right pull it out and get a little bit of writing done that I found if I don't, if I don't hit it really early mm-hmm. um, within the, within the first hour of being awake, if I haven't decided by then it's, it's going to be a bad day and not a good day. Right. Right. Yeah. And none of us have those external drivers anymore of, I have to get up. I have to have the children ready to go out. I have mm-hmm. to, um, that's I, really strange. You want really strange? It just occurred to me. Mm-hmm. I never have to do that again. Oh my god! He's a high school. My youngest is a high school graduate now. He goes to university in, in the fall. I never have to wow. get up to to prod him to make sure he gets to school on time ever again. Oh my gosh! I my my oldest actually just just graduated from high school mm-hmm. as well. Um, my youngest is starting high school next year. Um, so I'll still be beholden to the school calendar, but we live close enough to the high school that she can walk. Uh, and I've noticed even even in quarantine, I, I become unmoored from the human calendar and uh, conceptions of, of time and obligation. Um, I, I have a client project right now, so that actually reels me back in very well. I have stand-up meetings at 10 o'clock kinds of things. Yeah, that, yeah. that sets a really good framework for the day. But if you don't have that, it's fascinating how fast and how completely time becomes nothing. I I had a moment today because I had all of my meetings were in the morning. We're a global mm-hmm. company, so it like alternates. Some weeks, all of my meetings are in the morning and other weeks – day depending on the rotation um and other weeks they're all in the afternoon and some weeks like the 
all hands for the department. The well, I guess at this point it's division. I don't even know how to how to express it. Uh, we're, we're, <laughs> we've grown we've grown so fast, and we don't structure like normal or like traditional companies. I guess so. In in a traditional company sense, I guess I would be uh, we would be a division. Um, like we rotate uh, through three meeting times. So there's the uh, the one that covers East U.S. and Europe. And then the next week is the one that covers uh, West U.S. and Asia Pacific. And then there's one that covers uh, Asia and Europe. And I don't have to go to that one. They recorded. I can watch it on that week. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it depends on, on where... Uh, um, what week it is sometimes as to which, what my meeting schedule, whether it's all in my afternoon or if it's all in my morning. That's wild. Yeah. So today was a morning meeting and then I actually started working on code and fixing the problems that I am, I've been, you know, working on this week. And mm -hmm. suddenly it's like four fifteen, and lunch was four hours ago. And I'm like, what just happened? You know, wow. tomorrow it's it's all afternoon meetings, so I got to get it all done first thing. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah, but I don't have that driver. That, to, that must to... make it. That must make it really hard to. I'm thinking about it. Really hard to to find a good flow. Um, I, I I find there's there's a sort of a pattern I like to settle into with the the sort of the biorhythm of the day, not to get a little too. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, woo woo. Um. But I, I find, unfortunately, the natural rhythm of my day is absolutely at odds with the school day. And mm. if I had my perfect wish, I would have fairly quiet mornings. I would get to work out. I would get to have a leisurely breakfast, maybe do a little bit of reading. And then my peak writing time would be probably between, let's say, 1 or 2 p.m. and, you know, maybe 5 or 6 p.m., right. which is smack smack in the middle crossing the end of the school day when I have to go and pick kids up and drive mm -hmm. them places. Um, alas. So it's, it's been a, a very difficult many years um, in terms of that. And, you know, it's really difficult to get any sort of after school program or daycare or whatever for a kid after they're not in sixth grade anymore. Yeah. And <laughs> honestly, usually before then they're just like, I don't want to do this. Why are you making me do this? Um, oh no! So. Our district has great, great after after care, and they do their homework, and they have snacks, they watch movies, and they do arts and crafts. Yeah, and we I had guess. A good time. Yeah, I was going to say, I guess it's different because uh, both my kids went to the charter school, so there weren't the programs weren't the same, and were funded basically by parental interest and financing. Mm, so sure. like. You know, we did. They didn't have a football team. Uh, they had a lacrosse team, but they didn't have a football team. Unusual. Because they didn't want to. I mean, they had basketball, they had volleyball, they had uh, soccer, but um, the expense around a football team. Oh was yeah. Just something that couldn't be couldn't be managed. Um, so it was a little weird, uh, and then. Oh, I don't know. They they did this thing where they shifted it around, and so the afternoon programs really were centered around either uh, sports or the younger kids. So even if, like, my kid wanted to do, like, if they had a, he's not a chess player, but chess club is there, or, you know, a D&D &D mm -hmm. club, they, it ended up sort of overlapping with lunch. 
Not that uh, I didn't play D&D at lunch when I was in middle and high school. Listen, uh, I played cards at lunch. Did that and too. And I am an absolutely cutthroat hearts player, and you should never play hearts against me. Oh, oh, I see. Mm-hmm. I see. It has it has been a while, but yes, hearts and spades. Vicious, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, I'm going to remember that. <laughs> you can write it down in the file. It's gone into the file. Well, I, I I do have a notebook with all of my notes from all of my interviews. So yes. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um. So and you know, and I, I said that so confidently, and it's been such a long time since I've played either game that it's entirely possible <sighs> I don't quite remember the rules. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, um, the the one that's been going around, uh, I'm a member of the Dorsai regulars, and um, most of them are big fans of, I guess it's Hoof and Mouth. Mm, I which, don't know that one. And I, yeah, and, and they taught it to us, and I still can't remember. So We, we but, had a spades variation where every suit could trump another suit that was named after our hall monitor, uh, a, a lovely <laughs> older woman named Genna, who we adored. Um, and it was a great game, but I guarantee I could not teach it to you today. Uh, well, back in the day when you could get on a train and ride from Raleigh to New York City, because I was living in New York at the time, or I was getting <laughs> a job. Can you not do that anymore? You can, but what you can't do is you can't get out of your seat and go camp basically in the dining car the entire time. Oh. And so there were, uh, when I was transitioning from living in North Carolina and taking the job in New York, and so I'd gone back and forth several times and would end up playing, you know, there was always somebody with uh, a spades game in the dining car, almost invariably. It's amazing. Yeah, and then uh, Hearts was what we played... Uh, on uh, in the evenings at scout campouts when there were, you know, after all the other stuff was done. And it's like, well, all of us are awake. And so, you know, we just sit up playing cards. Mm-hmm. That may not be mm-hmm. the most uh, positive thing. But then again. Um, there are worse things. Yes. And uh, also, you are another person who has to get at least that one game, winning game of Spider Solitaire in before they can start their day. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's the the hard kind too, where it's two decks and four suits. So. Oh, okay. I'm I'm I only do um, two suits. Two suits. I haven't done the four suits. I, I haven't leveled up to four sure. suits yet. Pasha. I don't know this this new one I got now that for the iPad. Well, no, it wasn't the iPad. It was it was on Android, and then when I got the iPad, I I got this version, uh, same same version as on the thing, and it's been mean lately. It's it's been giving me really bad deals on mm. two suits. But so the one that I have, you can you can tell it to give you a guaranteed winning deal. Uh, um, but it also has the, the the daily challenge deal that that you get a trophy for if you if you if you clear it that day basically. 
And you gotta and you gotta keep that streak going. No, but you know, I, I don't actually. I, I win <laughs> most days, mm-hmm. but some days I don't, and then I have like a month to, to go back and get it. So I, okay. I have I have a I think one from from this month from about a week ago that I haven't gotten yet. But I will. Don't worry. Yeah. Don't. And worry. these are the things we do to keep to keep our our minds going. Um, it's it's puzzles to solve but that aren't. I've, I found a lot of a lot of sort of sort of benefit. I'm I'm also the the sort of person who went very very deep into Candy Crush. You know, uh. thousands thousands of levels in. Um, seeing areas as they unlocked for for quite a while until it became too sort of crashy and unusable, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's something about that sort of simple dimensional puzzle game that that it, it just it helps my brain rest, I guess, yeah. or or maybe it's wake up. But there's there's something about it that distracts the right parts of my brain that need to be distracted and activates the ones that need to be activated and. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I like it. No, no. I I play two dots. That's fine. Do you? Yes. Fun little a fun little casual game, and yes, they're they're the challenges, and they can be very challengey. And <laughs> then you you know you, all right, fine challenges. Uh, like for the first time in forever, I finished all five of the of the weekly challenges for the for the one thing I hadn't finished all like five levels of that in ages. And that was exciting. And, you know, um, that's wonderful, but you know, you just sit down and it's, it's just, you know, match, make matches, mm-hmm. draw little patterns and make matches. So, yeah. Um, righty. Uh, that's what a lot of creative work is anyway, isn't yeah. it? It's, it's, it's making connections between things that maybe you haven't seen the connection between before yeah. I, I do include programming as, as creative work in the sense. It's, yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's technical work, but sometimes you're solving, if not new, new problems, new to you problems. And while it's really easy to go to something like stack overflow, see who else has done it and copy paste. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's how I code. Yeah. I, <laughs> You know, I'll sit down and I'll dive into the docs and I'll just like learn, learn. Yeah, you know, that's, that's I, you see, you're superior. You're you're well, an original coder and not a not plagiaristic always. coder. Sometimes, well, no, sometimes I'm the. It's the wait. This isn't behaving the way the documentation says it's supposed to behave. Okay, where did I screw up, or is there mm-hmm. a bug, or have I found something new, kind of thing. Um, which uh, and I'm terrible at it. I'll be the first to to admit I'm terrible at it compared to some of my coworkers. But I enjoy the challenge. That's the important thing. You know, and and again, that funny thing about how brains work differently. That's literally yeah. why I was not a computer science major. I I'm, I was a journalism major actually. I took ah. a bunch of I took a bunch of of courses in college um, with the intent of being a computer science major, and I just hated debugging. <laughs> because I had solved the interesting problem of how to do the thing, and then the problem of why it wasn't doing the thing that I knew that it should be doing. Um, similarly, I can't stand platforming games because I can see how to do the thing. Right. And executing on the thing that I figured out how to do is is not interesting to me. Yeah, I can I can totally see that. 
I can definitely see that. <laughs> I usually just get stuck in in a point where I just don't have the timing to be able to get past the point. So mm, yeah, and that may just be that my hands don't work as quickly as they used to. Yeah, so. yeah. No, I my hands never worked that quickly. I was always bad at platformers. Oh, okay. Always. Yeah. But by God, I can still whoop somebody's ass in Super Street Fighter 2, and that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, I haven't played in years. I suspect I could not whoop anybody's ass in, in, in Street Fighter anymore. The the Super Street Fighter 2 uh, 30th Anniversary Edition is pretty awesome, and it is complete. Mm. And then the Street Fighter collection that has everything from Street Fighter 1 all the iterations of Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter Alpha oh 1 and Alpha 2, and Street Fighter 3 all in one Switch cartridge. Oh, oh my gosh. yeah. But I, Street Fighter I, 2 is still I'm my I'm suddenly team. tempted. I'm suddenly extremely tempted. Oh, yeah. No, we'll as, see. As a longtime Street Fighter fan, the, the collection is one of my favorite, uh, my, my favorite purchases for my Switch. Hmm. So that's high praise. Yeah. All right. So good day, bad day routine. <laughs> that's why I have the questions drag us back on track. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really good at derailing. I'm sorry. I'm fine. Sorry. So am I. Um, there's, there's uh, one friend of ours, uh, Dino, who is on, uh, I think it's been suggested he only come on once a year because we will sidetrack and whatever, and what should be a 30-minute discussion goes three and a half hours. So oh, don't worry about it. All right, that's uh, even worse than me. Um, so how about advice? Um, what's the okay, best nice. advice you've been given or would give someone else? The, the best advice I ever received, and therefore that I give to people as often as I can, is that... If there's something that they really want to do in their lives, they should not wait to be invited to do it. And they should not wait for someone else to give them permission to do it. They should just do the thing. I think uh, a lot of people want to, you know, work in video games and they want to wait until someone hires them before they start trying to make a game when you can start making a game right now. The tools oh, yeah. exist. You can just go and do the thing. Um, similarly, you know, if you want to be a writer, you don't need someone else to tell you that you're a great writer and they believe in you. You can just start writing stuff. It's, it's as easy as that. Um, and this even actually applies to many other areas of life. Like if you wish that a bunch of your friends would see more movies together, start organizing trips to the movies together, you know, yeah. just, just do the thing, instigate the thing that you want to see happening because everyone else likes to wait around for someone else to do the thing where we're herd animals, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And oh, believe me, we, I know. we don't like to be the one who um, makes things different than they were before. We don't, we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to, um, and, you know, even even social change and protests and so on, we don't want to be the first one to stick our necks out. Um, yeah. But once we see other people do it, it, it becomes more psychologically easy to go ahead and do that ourselves. So anyway, so my advice is be the one to stick your neck out. Do the thing. Do the thing, whatever it is that you think needs doing, that you want to do. Um, yeah. 
That's it. Okay. That's great stuff. <laughs> Thank you. I, I don't know if you can tell, I feel very strongly about you this. You do, you do. And, I, and as you're going through it, I'm thinking about all the people I know who are just like, um, I want to write video games, and so they went and they did. Yeah. Uh, indie creators, uh, small, small companies, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's, it's just like, no, no one was making the games we, we liked, so we're going to make our own. Um, yeah, and stuff like, you know, Untitled Goose Game, No, nobody would have gotten, you know, permission from Bungie to make that game. And it's so beautiful and quirky, and the world needed that to exist. And do you know the company behind it? No, I don't. Panic. They do Transmit. They do all of these utilities. <gasps> oh, and then oh there's just delightful. Isn't it, though? Yeah. It's just like, hey, we have, they do all of these Mac things. They're like, oh, by the way, we wrote this game, and the game was just the breakout hit of the year. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. I love it. Yeah, I think um, all of us have an Untitled Goose Game style idea in us somewhere, something delightful and charming that the world needs. Uh, I like to think so. Mm. Uh, and sometimes it's well, let's make this thing because no one else is going to make it and it scratches our itch and then it becomes a seven-year uh, uh, hobby. Uh, or <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Or what was it Ursula said? Don't get attached to this. I'm just experimenting with drawing, with drawing styles and then 800 pages and a Hugo later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny. We, we don't necessarily know what our life's work is until after the fact, do we? Uh, that was, uh, as far as we can tell, that was her prelude. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 not, not, not. In, in, oh, oh, right, right. Specifically, but sort of in in general, you you don't know what it's going to be. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Are you ready for the two hardest questions? I, I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. The so psychologically you, grueling last yeah. two questions. So we're going to do the sad, but easy as as compiled over the years the review on this question it is sad but easy and then we'll end with the happy but difficult mm-hmm. okay so how do you deal with failure or when you miss a goal how do i deal with failure or when i miss the goal um I, i'm interpreting this as a sort of when bad things happen yeah. um I I try to move on to something else really really fast. So I I once lost a job that I was really 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 attached to, and that was a pivotal lesson in not getting emotionally involved in work for hire. Oh, um, yeah. I I literally I spent the day that I got fired crying and updating my resume and sending out applications. <laughs> so I, I I sort of act and and emote like at the same time I guess. Um, but sort of, sort of pivoting to whatever the next thing is going to be is is very important to me. I I don't really take time to to sort of wallow, as it were, and and be sad. I I don't know if this is healthy or unhealthy, but it is definitely the way that I I process things. Everybody processes differently. Mm-hmm. There are people that wallow. There are people who sit down and immediately try to reverse engineer what went wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's always my problem as I sit down and I'll spend a week analyzing why I just got laid off. Oh, you don't just cut and run. That's interesting. Uh, well, okay. There were two jobs where 
I did cut and run because the moment they said, oh, by the way, uh, we're laying you off, mm-hmm. was it was like weights were lifted off, and I wanted to run free through the field singing. So. <laughs> yeah, not the best uh, workplaces. <laughs> no, it sounds like, it sounds like no. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, right, so that's so the sad question. The sad question. Now you want to know that the happy one. Which, happy, which is actually really difficult. I, I That's why it's the happy but difficult yeah, question. Yeah. I, I'm thinking really hard. And the truth is that when good things happen, I think I don't really mark them a lot of the time, especially incremental victories. Yep. So if I, if I, I don't know, if I, if I sign a contract for a new thing that I'm really excited about, you know, that's, that's a great success. And like, I'll tell my friends about it and I'll be excited. And that's yeah. most, most of what I'll do sometimes for something really big, then maybe I'll um, arrange to have a nice dinner out with my family. You know, maybe we'll open a bottle of champagne. Um, in, in fact, I, I kind of do look for excuses to open a bottle of champagne because I just happen <laughs> to really like champagne. <laughs> um, but uh, in general, I, I think it is a, a sort of a, a psychological failing of mine that I don't pay attention to the things that I've done. And I, I find a lot of reasons that they don't count most of the time. So uh, I, you know, it, it's funny, I've written all of this stuff and I, I could I could sit here and list for you why every single one of those things doesn't in any way make me a real author or a real <laughs> game designer, even even now. So, yeah. Yeah. And and here's the thing, by the way, for the people who are listening to the show for the first time and have never listened to before, the question is, do you celebrate your successes? And if so, how? Oh, <laughs> sorry. That's okay, because you, you covered it perfectly. And I want you to know you're not alone. There are so many people out there who are like, yeah, I have a real hard time with that. I just go on to the next thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I know. Wonder, I, I wonder why that is. I don't know. I, I had... Uh, uh, one person who has a a uh, essentially a page of uh, successes, a page mm-hmm. of did, uh, a page of you know I did this sort of achievements, and sometimes it's it's yeah I was having a really bad pain day and I got out of bed and had a shower, celebrated, mm-hmm. um, and anytime things are really rough for them, they just flip back to that page and they say, well you know I I did actually you know, get paid a lot of money for that one thing. And, um, and every time, every time Ursula writes a new book and she hands it to me with the, is it going to be okay? Everyone's going to hate it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that spot. Yeah. And I, I have, it's, it's for, for me, it's, it's literally, I made this thing. It's, it's the launch launch Eve sort of jitters. I made this thing and everyone who sees it is going to hate it. And therefore they're going to hate me personally. And I will never work again. It's exactly that, that sort of mindset again and again. And I, I really wish it didn't happen, but it, it does. Mm-hmm. And the first, uh, the first time it lands, it's always about 30,000, 40,000 words, mm-hmm. which is when she shoves it at me and says, read this and tell me if it shames my ancestors. Yeah. Which means I've read I don't know how many incomplete novels at this point. <laughs> there's there's been a lot of yelling, finish it, finish it. Oh my god, when are you gonna finish the thing? I had to wait ten years for you to finish the one thing. Come on. Oh. Um, oh. You're a good soul. You're a good soul. <laughs> I have to I have to go out to the car though. I have to wait for her to go to sleep or I have to go out the car or if I so much as like have a 
you know, something floats up my nose and I have to sniffle. She's like, what was that for? Mm, what did mm-hmm. you just read? I'm like, I cat dander. She's no, you made a noise. It was indigestion, a, a bit of uncooked potato. Um, <laughs> oh, that's spectacular. But, uh, but everybody, uh, everybody does this differently and that's why it's a difficult question because so many people are like, you know, I don't really do anything. Um, yeah. You know, and I have to promise myself to to be better about it too because I'm. I wonder. I'm also bad. I wonder if it has something to do with e- even even a factual recounting of projects that I've done kind of feels like bragging to me, and I feel like bragging is wrong and immoral because you shouldn't go around trying to make your your yourself out to be better than other people um oh the protestants yeah yeah which is which is uh funny because i i didn't have an especially protestant upbringing and i'm i'm jewish so (laughs) um oh well there's and and yet nonetheless here i am unable to like uh Think think of myself as as anything sort of exceptionally positive in in the world. So but, so it goes. Uh, yeah, but then again, you will crow when one of your kids or one of your friends has a success. Yeah, I yeah, know that's I do. True. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Oh, that's everything. <laughs> so now the question is. Um, before we talk about where we can find out uh, more about all your stuff online, where we can find you online, um, you want to talk about your new book, don't you? Do I, I do. I do. I actually really <laughs> do. Um, it's it's surprising that I do. I I desperately I desperately want to talk about it because it's full of ideas that I want to talk about with people, and a, a lot of a lot of what I write a book for is because there are ideas knocking around in my head and I can't get people to, to talk to me about them right, right. in the way in the way that I want to. So um, my, my book coming out, America Inc., is about a corporation running for president of the United States. Um, and in the context of this book, that corporation is actually the, the good guys. Um, okay. Some, some years ago, I, I wrote some years ago, I say, as if it were, you know, a decade off. But no, in in February, I believe it was of the year 2017, I I wrote uh, a novelette called The Revolution brought to you by Nike that was published by Fireside that was about uh, essentially a, a marketer using Nike's advertising and marketing budget to run a bunch of massive protests and overthrow the president on the grounds that um, fighting a fascist state is in Nike's purview as a brand statement um, because of what Nike as a brand represents. Um, This this book is not quite a sequel, but the first chapter of this book is – um, kind of the last scene or two of that novelette, and the the character of that is is one of the main characters. Um, sort of sort of thinking about the the power of marketing and its mm-hmm. position in our society, what it can do, what it can't do, um, and also um, there's a lot in there about kind of the role of money in politics, um, 
uh, one of the main characters, uh, Toby, is uh, a sudden dot-com billionaire who believes that being a billionaire is an inherently immoral thing, which is, of course, a thing that I believe. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it just sort of all comes together. This is this is a very long book where a lot of people have meetings and um, there are a lot of conference tables and a lot of sort of slides and, and charts that people are talking about and a lot of people in hotel rooms thinking late at night. Um, but for all that, I promise you, it has been described as a page turner. It is exciting if you like reading about <laughs> people, people who are competent and mean well trying to make the world better, then this is the book for you. Um, but if you also are aggressively avoiding current events, this may not be. Uh, okay, the that's book fair. For you because yeah. it's, it's a very 10 minutes into the future kind of book. So not, yeah. not this election, but the one after. So. Right, right. Yeah, yeah be, be careful with those because, uh, I mean, you know what what um, what Charlie Strauss has had to do with the near future stuff. Yeah, and Gibson, too, had to rewrite yeah. agency. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and it, it seems to be the problem with the near future stuff right now is it it's happening too fast and catching up yeah. or going weird. <laughs> in in fact, that's why I am self-publishing this book. We mm -hmm. had we had it out on submission um, for a little bit and we wound up pulling it because we knew that if this book was going to happen, it would have to come out before the election. Right. And the publishing cycle became too short for that to be feasible because I was too slow writing it. Yeah. Oh, God. The, the, the mass market publishing schedule is a thing. Yeah. 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 You can't write 10 minutes into the future if it's going to take them three years to get the book onto the shelves after that. And that, uh, I was going to say, I don't think Ursula's had to deal with the three years, but it's been minimum a year between hands yeah. in the, the final draft for editing and actually appears on a shelf. Mm -hmm. I think a year is even blazing fast as these things go. Yeah, well... I, it also depends on the publisher. That's true. So, That's true. Yeah. Uh, cool. No, I'm really, <laughs> I'm really excited about it. Uh, when I, when oh, I read gosh, the premise and, uh, and, uh, when you were, uh, your first tweets about, Hey, this is, this is something I'm doing. I'm like, uh, it, I was very excited when the pre-order page was there. Um, oh, I'm, just, and you had, I'm just so excited. It's going to go into the world. And you had a pre-order, you had a pre-order, a number of pre-order goals. Oh, I do. I do. This is this is kind of embarrassing, actually. Um, there are a lot of important cultural touchstones I have never experienced. Uh -huh. And I have set pre-order benchmarks where I will I will live tweet these these various films um, if if, you know, if, if I happen to to get that pre-order benchmark. I think it, I think it's if I get one hundred and fifty, mm -hmm. then I will I will watch um, 12 Angry Men, which I have somehow never watched. Um, Neither have I. That's what I've missed. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think it's 250 or 500. See, I can't remember the numbers. I'm sorry. I have them written down <laughs> somewhere. Um, then the next one is, I think, Wag the Dog. Um, and then Idiocracy. And if I reach 715 pre-orders, which is my, my break-even point for, for the, the, mm -hmm production cost. If I break even in pre-order, then I will watch a season of West Wing, and I have never watched even a single episode of West Wing. 
Believe it or not. Why, that's okay. I haven't either, and I have not watched any of Breaking Bad. So no, apparently, neither have I. Yeah. Now, I did binge The Living Daylights out of Sons of Anarchy. Mm, um, no, but since Sons that. of Anarchy is sort of Hamlet with a motorcycle gang... <laughs> that's spectacular. Um, I, I mean, you know, it's it's seven seasons and twists and turns, but at the mm-hmm. very the very core of the conflict is essentially Hamlet in a motorcycle gang. Um, oh my you gosh, know, I love it. Uh, and, you know, I, I I have a lot of gaping holes in my cultural knowledge for various reasons. I I I don't know why they exist, but I seem to make a lot of different media choices than the people around me a lot of the time. Well, and then there's there's that there's an age gap, um, usually around the time you have kids. Mm-hmm. And I know it was true for me and my ex-wife, is that in t- there was this point where we just stopped movies. We couldn't really watch the big dramas yeah. on TV. It was all, uh, you know, Blue's Clues and Thomas the Tank Engine and mm-hmm. Teletubbies, depending on ages, and, you know, all that stuff. And so people were like, what do you mean you didn't see The Matrix in the theaters? I had an infant at home. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting out to see the Matrix in theaters. And then one day you turn around and you don't know who any of the musical guests are on Saturday Night Live. You've never heard of them before. No, I, I keep up with music. Music's one. Do of the, you? I, Even the SNL musical guests? That's maybe that's... not not necessarily uh, the SNL musical guests, but um, uh, I I made I made the. Lemmy, Bowie, Fry, Prince Rule. Mm-hmm. And I want to say 2014. And that was, I never saw Lemmy or David Bowie or um, Glenn Fry or Prince in concert live. Hmm. I'd always said, oh, I'll catch them next time. I'm too busy. The kids, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And so shortly after that, I said, if there is a live concert that I want to see, I'm going to go see it. I guess it was 2016, four years now. It's time is all wibbly wobbly right now. Um, yeah, that was like sixty years ago, right? Yeah, exactly. No, sixty years ago was only February. <laughs> um, but the the whole but yeah, so I've seen so many live concerts and just like deep dove into uh, the musical styles I like and the new artists that sometimes I'm like flipping on Sirius because you know satellite radio, um, mm-hmm. the channel I listen to, and it's like. Oh, hey, these guys must be about to break it big because they're showing up here. And, oh, you know, yeah. a couple of bands I've been listening to for like four or five years that are just now starting to get the traction. And, and uh, that's kind of exciting to watch. So what I'm learning here is I need to get musical suggestions from you. Uh, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. been doing a lot of metal lately, but I also have this deep abiding love of covers. Oh, so. Okay. Uh, for example, one of the greatest cover albums of all times is by the Flaming Lips. Mm-hmm. It's called With a Little Help from My Friends. Oh, no. It is Sgt. Pepper's mm-hmm. start to finish, end to end, but it's all covers with guest musicians, oh, guest that's singers. Great. So, yeah, so you get Tegan and Sarah doing uh, Lovely Rita. Hmm. The, uh, you get Maynard James Keenan doing the vocals on For the Benefit of Mr. Kite. Hmm. And you get 
uh, Miley Cyrus and Moby doing Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. That okay, I really want to hear that. I oh, really yeah. want to hear that. I was like, I mean, Miley, you say what you will about the pop stuff, but th- she is an incredible singer and musician. Yeah. Uh, I have a lot of respect for her, especially like her cover. You watch SNL, I stopped, but her cover of 50 <laughs> Ways to Leave Your Lover on, yeah. uh, on the, the SNL 30th, I think it was, 50th, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, her version of Jolene that she did in the Backyard Sessions, mm-hmm. where she just sits and covers whatever song she wants. Her duet with Joan Jett. <clears throat> Miley Cyrus strikes me as one of those one of those people who is uh, a genuinely very talented artist who is burdened by a career that was pushed in a bunch of directions she didn't want to go. Uh, the, yeah, you can you can sort of there's this there's this spot right after uh, Wrecking Ball mm-hmm. um, where she did the Miley Cyrus and her uh, Miley and her Dead Pets project CD, mm-hmm. and that was. From that point on, it's sort of like it, it felt almost like she had to put out something to make the record label happy. So she did whatever the hell she wanted, and she's just gone from there. Mm-hmm. It's, a re- it's almost it's it's a concepty album. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> I think she was really high writing and recording some of it, but that seems likely. Yeah, uh, but it's it's one of those things. Wow. Yeah. So anytime, just just ping me on. Twitter, or, I mean, you know where to find me. Where can we find you? Where can you find me? You can find me on Twitter at A-N-D-R-H-I-A, although not as often as you used to be able to find me. Um, You cannot find me on Facebook or Instagram. I am not on Facebook or Instagram for political reasons. Um, I do have a blog that I don't update hardly at all anymore. It's a pun in Latin. It's called Deus Ex Machinatio, which is, you know, God from a, a plan, a, a scheme um, yes. rather than a machine. Um, but AndreaPhillips.com resolves there, too, and it's way easier to spell. So you can do that. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, I think that's that's mostly it. If you know how to find me on Twitter, you really know how to find me, basically. Yeah. And I can always uh, and I'm going to link the pre-order page to your book. And all that fun stuff. Oh, I'm so nervous. No, it's exciting. It's I'm I'm really excited about it. Excited. I'm excited, but I'm nervous. You know how it is. I know how it is. Um, so thank you so much. Thank you. This has been super fun. It's been absolutely fun, and uh, and and we should do this again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Also, we should and- we should hang out one day. Yeah. Like at a once, convention. If they ever have conventions again. Uh, if yeah. they ever have conventions. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so, uh, awesome. And, uh, oh, for the people at home, uh, we'll be right back after this. I hope you guys enjoyed 
Sorry. I hope you folks enjoyed listening to that chat I just had with Andrea. And by just had, I mean, I literally finished recording it with her about 10 minutes ago. So you are getting possibly one of the freshest interviews uh, I've had in a long time. Uh, but it was fantastic talking to Andrea. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And yeah, check out her books. Um, thinking of her books, our badge code this week is America Inc. All one word uh, in honor of this upcoming release. Uh, I've, and like I said, I'm really excited about it. I can't wait to read it. Uh, it, it sounds really interesting. I do love me some uh, near future uh, science fiction when we can actually get it without uh, uh, the publishing schedule uh, making it ancient history by the time the book actually comes out. Uh, so, yeah, no, uh, absolutely fantastic. If you want to know more about the badges we issue and the open badges, uh, check out the badge how-to at productivityalchemy.com. A couple of you wrote in to say that you've hit a bug. I've hammered out most of them. There's still a couple that I'm poking at uh, and uh, bug reports with the people who make the plugins that make the uh, open badges possible on the website. Um, so don't don't go uh, complaining to them, but uh, bear with us a little bit because this is uh, some really new functionality for the plugin and we're all figuring it out, I think, at the same time. Uh, that's it for this week. Uh, remember that uh, you can support us financially. There is a support uh, section of productivityalchemy.com. Uh, we would much prefer you send your money to uh, the charitable organizations who need it a lot right now, um, your local food bank, um, you know, the people who are out doing street medicine uh, during, you know, the things that are going on in the outside world and, uh, you know, causes like that. Take care of each other. That's the important thing. And uh, while you're at it, do your best to uh, stay productive. I mean, if you can. <laughs> <laughs>